Despite the assumption and likely intention that Hamza Chimaev would absolutely steamroll him after an insane fight week in a last-minute main event shuffle, Nate Diaz came out on top yet again, and I'm not just talking about against Tony Ferguson. As he said it himself last night, he's the creme de la creme, and Diaz finished his UFC contract like he only could, rewriting the game yet again. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Let's talk about how Nate Diaz just changed everything forever. Before we get to that, though, we should run down UFC 279 in case you couldn't find a strong enough stream. That's fucking illegal. Nate Diaz in our overnight main event subbed Tony Ferguson in the fourth after a very much Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson fight. Hamza Chimaev might have been booed mercilessly, but he dominated Kevin Holland on the ground to secure a first round Darce. D-Rod and the Leech had a back and forth fight that would result in a split decision for Rodriguez that just about everybody disagreed with. Arani Aldana beat Macy Chasson with an up liver kick how in the world, and Johnny Walker, to the surprise of everyone, especially Iwan Kutelaba, got a first-round RNC victory. Here are the prelim results. You may want to go back and watch Barnett Collier if you missed it. It was the best of brawly big guys. Now that you're aware of what happened, let's run the numbers on this one. 279 was the UFC's 25th straight sellout show, and saw 13 fights with 3 KO TKOs, 4 subs, and 6 decisions for a total cage time of 2 hours, 28 minutes, 46 seconds. It was a night for the dogs. 7 prevailed with only six favorites coming out on top. Irish phenom Johnny Walker getting a first-round sub was a plus 2,500 finish. Talk about money in the bank. That was his first submission victory in his nine UFC fights and only the third of his career, earning Johnny Walker our Jim Beam Award. It's a really clever joke once you get it, I promise. Let's talk about the main event, though. The fight marked Nate's 27th and, for now, final UFC bout, as well as his ninth submission win and 15th performance bonus. Tony landed the second-most leg kicks Diaz has ever received with 34, being only surpassed by the Connor rematch. This is only the second time he's ever been subbed in his career. The first came on the regional scene in 2009. Nathan leaves the promotion top 10 all-time in submission wins, submission attempts, total fight bonuses, significant strikes landed, and total strikes landed. Minus the Burns fight, Hamzat's UFC opponents have thrown a combined five punches, but have shared the cage with Shamaya for a total of 15 minutes, seven seconds. A lot of people felt bad for the leech this week, but don't fret of his six UFC losses in 17 promotional appearances. He's never dropped two in a row, earning him our tub thumping award. I Google searched up kick to deliver on Google for every day before September 10th, 2022. And yep, I'm pretty sure a rainy Aldana just invented something. It was also just the third ever up kick finish in UFC history. But that's just stats and nerd stuff. Let's talk about what really happened at 279. Okay, so as far as fights go, this wasn't that consequential of an evening. The main event held no significance. Hamza was a seven to one favorite over Holland and the rest of the card wasn't relevant to the larger MMA picture either. What's important, though, is the significance of Nate Diaz as he put it at the post-fight presser, putting the finishing touches on his contract. Diaz, who has been one of the sport's biggest main event draws now since 2016, is not stuck with the UFC. He purposely left the biggest MMA promotion in the world to seek opportunities elsewhere. And with these new sunset clauses on these contracts ensuring that fighters do in fact have an end date with the UFC if they want it, Nate has symbolically opened the floodgates. The sport is now fundamentally different. 
he is the first true big draw to take this step, and will likely find large paydays in either boxing or maybe other MMA promotions as a result. While some will dismiss this moment as Diaz being on the tail end of his career without options, that is simply not true. The trilogy bout with Connor would easily draw massive numbers. If he were to box Jake Paul, please God no, that would be a substantial windfall as well. A million buys easy. Anyway, you look at it, he is a major commodity in combat sports still, and his leaving of his own accord is a big deal. Francis Ngannou was likely to take the same action at the start of 2023 when his contract ends and get a massive payday in boxing as well. Again, please not Jake Paul. Actually, I take that one back. Jake Paul, try to box Francis Ngannou, please. The UFC is, of course, the number one brand in combat sports. It's not even close. But what Nate did, what is happening, is that fighters that have leverage are no longer going to be stuck without options. And this new era in the sport opens up a whole host of possibilities with fighters truly testing free agency, not some limited version of it. They'll be able to get their real market value on the brands they've built up over their careers. The more and more the sport's biggest stars decide to go out on their own, the more compromises will be made to keep them on board or to reacquire them, including increasing fighter pay and the potential for kick-ass crossover fights. The UFC is fully aware of this too, and the booking of the original main event shows it. Let's be real, that whole fight was about decreasing Nate's market value as he left the promotion. They very likely knew or at least hoped that Hamzat would ragdoll him all over the cage and leave everybody with a final impression of Diaz bloodied and battered on the mat. Of course, that didn't happen, as he so often has. Nate, by the grace of the MMA gods, got the promotion by the balls again after Hamzat's weight debacle and left looking as clean and popular as ever. Surprisingly, there doesn't seem to be any bad blood on either side, though, despite all of this, as well as a long history of ups and downs. But I guess as Connor would say, it was just business. And truth be told, I would not be shocked if we saw Nate in the UFC again. Alright, so that's the larger picture, but let's refocus on 279 itself. What's next for some of its biggest players? Hamza went from fan favorite to supervillain in just a few days' time with that weight miss that he seemingly didn't give a shit about. That said, he absolutely demolished Kevin Holland. Yeah, I know he was supposed to win, but he won massively. That was exactly how a top contender should have handled that fight. Total domination. He's clearly one of the biggest threats in the division. Dana mentioned at the presser afterwards wanting to bump him up to 185, but of course he would feel that way after a weight miss. That's not anything unusual. Certainly no title shot will come next after nearly tanking this event, but oh my god, sign me up for him versus Colby. It is one of the must-make fights in this whole sport right now, and the winner would absolutely get a shot at gold. As for Tony Ferguson, he is in a real tough spot. Don't get me wrong, he's still a beloved fighter, and he's not going to get dinged too much by the promotion for saving the day on short notice, but he was thoroughly beaten again, and this is his fifth straight loss in a row. While he seemed as enthusiastic about fighting as ever after the bout and showed tremendous heart as he always does in the cage, what his next fight will be is unclear, but I think and would hope the UFC will match him up with something pretty favorable this time. Alright, let's wind this thing down. 279 was a one-fight card before Friday's Madness. The UFC took a massive gamble and it nearly blew up in their face because of one weight miss. With no Nate or Hamzat, not a soul was paying $75 for that show. Now, they've done these thin, top-heavy cards before, and they somehow managed this time to make it work out pretty great, but if this is going to be a trend, next time they might not get so lucky. That said, though, this card was pretty awesome, and considering the disaster the week was, that's pretty impressive. We got a much better main event than we would have originally. Hamzat and Holland got to settle their beef. There were some really exciting fights and finishes. It turned out to be a great night, despite all the shenanigans. A far more stacked card on paper looms in October for our next pay-per-view. Let's hope that it doesn't have the same clusterfuck of issues that this one did, lest we end up with O'Malley fighting Sterling for the title, and Benil Darius versus Islam Makhachev. 
Makachev for vacant lightweight gold. Truly never a dull moment in this sport, even when it looks like there might be one coming. And that was UFC 279's Autopsy. This is our second run at this format for the post-pay-per-view videos. Let us know what you thought about it in the comments section. I can say that I personally read all of them after the autopsy goes up to see what you guys think, so please share. Your feedback is very much welcome. Oh, and also let me know if you think Nate just changed the sport. The answer is that he did, but I still love your opinions. Also, a massive shout-out to Max Blessed Randall for editing this video together so masterfully and so fast. It really is a tremendous thing to put this out so quickly, so make sure to show him lots of love on Twitter. And yeah, have a great week, guys. That was a fun one. Catch you on the flip side.